Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include a housing correction, Quantex Joseph Allen on the Community Development Financial Institutions Program, and what to look forward to ahead of the Fed meeting later this week. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. In the words of former Vice President Dan Quayle, we are ready for any unforeseen event that may or may not occur. Around the world, soaring borrowing costs are squeezing home buyers and property owners alike. So, what does the public see in terms of headlines and the housing market? There was billionaire CEO of private equity company Starwood Capital Group, Barry Sternlicht, warning that the housing market is headed for a major crash. Moody's chief economist, Mark Zandi, is more optimistic, saying that house prices will soon undergo a correction, but not a crash. Almost one-third of homes sold in July were paid for entirely with cash. Wealthy U.S. homeowners are charging in with all cash purchases, even as the broader housing market is slowed by rising mortgage rates. One thing is certain for those financing or looking to finance the real estate. Households with loans are tightening their belts, while rising mortgage payments discourage would-be buyers from entering the market, dragging on property prices and development. And more sellers accepted offers below their listing prices last month than over the course of the entire pandemic. That comes as investors display more nervousness about the Fed decision later this week. The central bank is expected to raise interest rates by another three-quarters of a point, though there are calls for a 100 basis point move after the August CPI figure show that inflation has yet to peak. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Quantex Joseph Allen, an experienced home mortgage professional with nearly 10 years of experience, whose hard work ethic and deep knowledge base have enabled him to close more than $50 million in volume every year since 2011. Previously, Joseph had a successful career in real estate sales, which now allows him to better guide his clients through the mortgage process. Though his specialty is in residential mortgages, he is familiar with an array of lending products, including commercial mortgages and construction loans. Community Development Financial Institution, or CDFI loans, can be a resource for underserved people and minorities that are struggling to buy a home right now. Quantic is one of a small group of lenders, I guess it's only about 3% of mortgage lenders, that issue these loans. Can you talk about how it's a resource and, and, uh, and, and some of the benefits there? Absolutely. Um, so we do tap into many different communities that, that are underserved in the mortgage market. Uh, one example would be um, immigrants that have recently come to this country, um, may have several members in a household contributing to the, uh, to the expenses. Um, so we have a lot of borrowers that pool their money together. We have a lot of borrowers that work in the gig economy. So you can think Uber, Lyft, whether that's their, their primary job. Um, some people are also using it as supplemental income, their second jobs, their third jobs sometimes. A lot of those people uh, are having challenges when working with conventional lenders, and we think a little bit outside the box and, and we're able to service them. Um, as, as the recession looms, um, you'll see this sort of supplemental income will become more and more important to more households. It'll be more prevalent. Um, and we will be here to 
lend those people money. Yeah, your background is in real estate sales. How on a, on kind of a personal note, how does that help you uh, with your clients currently? Maybe having that that different lens than not everybody whose background is in pure mortgage banking has. It gives me a different perspective. Um, so not only am I able to talk about and and consult um, regarding the mortgage, but I also have in-depth experience on the real estate side, not just the sales side, but also the investing side, um, the owning uh, your own home. I can speak on that. So I'm able to um, give my my clientele many different talking points, a lot of different advice, um, and just good, sound uh, advice that they can use when when making this this large investment and this this super important purchase. Yeah. The big one big story right now in the headlines is inflation and, and cost of living going up. You know, there's a lot of different parts to that. It's it's more than just bread and milk. There's rents, there's home values, there's interest rates that are rising themselves. Can you speak a little bit to how Quantic is, is navigating these issues? Sure. Um, well, you know, when we look to qualify a borrower, we're not including expenses such as oil, gas, electric, um, but our our borrowers certainly are, right? These sort of things are always top of mind. Um, job security, um, interest rates that are steadily increasing, um, property taxes that are increasing. So it has stifled um, the, the demand for mortgages a little bit. Um, but as I mentioned in the previous comment, a lot of our borrowers are pooling their resources together within their households, or they do have uh, second and third jobs to to make ends meet and to save money and and to uh, make the dream of homeownership become a reality. Yeah, Quantic works with non-traditional borrowers, foreign nationals, self-employed borrowers, real estate investors, and so on. A lot of mortgage companies right now are trying to figure out how they can expand their product box or maybe their credit box to get more volume as we're in a, a declining volume environment. How is Quantic navigating uh, those issues of, of trying to, to stay relevant to as many potential borrowers as possible and, and maintain good underwriting standards with that? We're, we're always trying to think outside of the box. Um, the, the founders of our bank were themselves loan officers at one point in time. Um, so they understand the market. They have their finger on the pulse. Um, they know what the borrower's demands are. Um, they know the direction that the market is headed. So we're always brainstorming and coming up with new ideas. Um, and a lot of times you'll see Quantic is the first bank to come out with a particular product and then everyone else will follow and kind of mimic our products. Um, but we are definitely committed to being safe, um, being sound, um, smart lending, right? So we may be the first lender to come out with a particular product, but then you'll see other banks maybe push the, the envelope a little too far. Um, maybe they go a little bit too high with their loan to values or a little too low with their credit score requirements. Um, we're committed to staying in business and, and making smart decisions to, to grow the bank. Um, 
So we are always trying to maintain that, that fine balance of, uh, of, of risk and reward. And if you're the first to market, how do you gain traction in the secondary market or with warehouse banks even, or people buying in to, to your products? Well, one of the advantages of, of being a, uh, a savings bank is we don't have to rely on warehouse lenders. Um, so that part of the, the uh, equation doesn't exist for us. Um, and the secondary market is reliant on our, our track record, um, how responsible we've been in the past, which is also why we, we try to really maintain that, that balance. Um, because we want to continue to have these successful relationships with the the people that we're selling loans to. Quantic has closed all of its physical locations and, and is now 100% digital. I think that's the envy of a lot of companies in the mortgage space. There's growing popularity in digital lending without actual brick and mortar stores. Does that what does that mean for the future of lending? And and I guess a second part there, and, and please elaborate. Is, where do you see things evolving from here? I think they'll continue to evolve to where everything will be will be digital um, within the next probably ten to fifteen years. Um, and and when people see a company transitioning to a digital platform, they're they're automatically going to think, well, there's going to be severe job losses, right? People are, people are going to be out of work. However. I think for us, the shift online means that we can minimize expenses, we can drive deposits with a lower cost of funds. And so having a reduced cost of funds means that the bank can pass along the savings to borrowers in the form of lower interest rates. Um, lower interest rates will increase our mortgage, orig mortgage originations, excuse me, which will force the need for Quantic to create more jobs, not less jobs. So we're kind of just reacting allocating the resources. We're going to have a higher demand on the mortgage side, maybe not such a high demand on the banking side. Um, it also, being digitized, allows us to have a broader footprint and land in places that we never thought possible. Um, we recently closed a loan in Hawaii and another in Alaska. And, you know, these are, these are places where um, pre-COVID, uh, it just never would have been possible. Um, Many of our clients have, have accepted Zoom as a standard practice. Um, I still meet with people face-to-face -face all the time. I love it. I enjoy it. Um, but there are other options out there for us to, to expand, and we're doing it. You are working with non-traditional borrowers. How do you get the word out to these people? How, do, how does lead generation work with a business like yours? You know, the non-traditional borrowers, it's funny because they, they a lot of them come from the, the same communities, right? So um, whether that, that's an immigrant community, whether that's a gig worker community, uh, right? Like, let's say, for example, the, the delivery guys and delivery girls, you see them all huddled up on their, their scooters and their Vespas in front of one restaurant, sitting there having a cup of coffee until they get that next ring from Uber or um, uh, seamless web, right? So they're all talking. Um, they, they all know each other and they all know that they have problems getting mortgages. So if there's a solution out there, word travels very, very quick. We are doing a lot of marketing um, as well, but word of mouth in, in these types of communities um, 
it, it speaks volumes. Um, that's, that's how we've grown our business since day one. And, and that's how we're going to continue to grow it. And when it comes to traditional mortgage banking, are there things you see going by the wayside in the near future? Are you, are you, I guess maybe you're hoping these companies stick to their, their old practices and you guys can get that much further out in front, but what do you, what do you think needs to be kind of revolutionized when it comes to mortgage lending? Banking in general has always been very antiquated. There's been a lot of technology that that's come out over the past 10 years to kind of help streamline the entire process. Um, I feel like there's still way too many steps involved with creating a mortgage. And, and I understand why that is because banks are lending a significant amount of money. Um, borrowers are making um, an extremely large purchase, an extremely important investment um, in their lives. But I think the industry hasn't really found a way to kind of wrap everything into one package, if you will. It's still very compartmentalized. Um, and so in, until a lot of these new softwares that come out start talking to each other and integrating with one another, it's it's still a bit of a grind. Uh, but it's certainly better than than what it was 15 years ago where we had three and four paper packages per file and, and you went into somebody's office and they had paperwork stacked to the ceiling. Um, that that just doesn't doesn't exist anymore. So it's a much cleaner, more efficient way to work. Um, we see our, our operations people are, are much happier. Um, you know, papers aren't getting lost uh, like they used to. They, they no longer grow legs. Um, so it is more efficient and, and, uh, the industry as a whole has, has made a lot of progress. It's interesting. You go to these conferences and it seems like digitization has been a buzzword for the last 10 or 12 years. And, and yet the cost to originate alone has gone up and tech stacks still don't play nicely with each other. You know, Quantic is at the forefront of all this. What are you, what are y'all working on over there? What's, what's kind of coming down the pipeline that uh is going to set you even further in front of some of the competition oh you want the state secrets huh <laughs> yes yes i do Look, the tech industry as it becomes more crowded um and, and you see what's going on with, with the tech industry now um in the stock market uh it will inevitably get cheaper um you know what we're working on is is basically ways to increase the customer experience, um, we're making attempts to um, just have better customer service because that's something that I, I don't think you can ever stop working on, right? Um, it's the mortgage industry. There's a lot of moving parts, um, especially in states like New York where you have three attorneys, maybe one, two, three sellers, one, two, three borrowers, title company, an appraiser, a home inspector. You just can't remove these elements. but um, if we can just make the experience a pleasant one, a great one, an amazing one for, for our, our customers, then, um, we're going to win ultimately, whether we have the coolest new tech tools or not. Um, if we, when we have happy clients, we're going to have repeat clients. Um, we're going to have clients that refer us more business. Um, and so that, that mentality will allow Quantic to win. 
it really is a relationship-based business to a large degree. I want to close by asking you, if you had friends that were considering getting into the mortgage industry or, or maybe even wondering that recent college graduates that were thinking about it, would you recommend it? If if so, why or, or why not? How, how's it been for you? It is an amazing industry. It is a very, um, it's a very challenging industry, which is fun if you, if you like problem solving. Um, if you, if you like a challenge, if you're the type of person that, um, refuses to give up, uh, then, then this is a great business for you. It is extremely rewarding to provide the loan that puts somebody into their first home. I mean, yes, we do loans for people that are buying their second, third home, vacation home, investment properties. And that's all cool too, because, uh, you know, we're, we're helping people grow their, their portfolio, grow their wealth. Um, these are properties that they lead to their heirs, but the first time home buyers, which is what we specialize in, there is nothing more rewarding. With that being said, it's a huge responsibility, right? We're not selling people Hondas. So, uh, this is, this is basically open heart surgery that we're performing. Um, so it's not for the faint of heart. You have to make sure that, that you're on it every single day, um, you know, you, you can't afford to be wrong because that means costing somebody their home, um, which is extremely upsetting, not just for you, but more importantly for them. So it's a very fulfilling business. It's a very demanding business, especially when you're fresh into it and you're, you're building up your book. Um, <clears throat> you have to go out and, and speak to realtors and attorneys and accountants. And, and you know, they're, they're not always the most welcoming, uh, especially when you're very green. Um, you can't take no for an answer. Um, and like you said, it's a, a relationship business. So you have to be somebody that's willing to build those relationships. It's going to take some time and it's going to take a lot of, uh, a lot of rejection or overcoming a lot of rejection to, to make it. But once you get over that hump, there's no better business. It really isn't. Thanks for your time today, Joseph. Really appreciate that. Thank you for having me, Rob. Last week closed with warnings of worsening economic conditions and inflation data confirming the Federal Reserve has more work to do before it can consider pulling back its aggressive monetary stance. The Federal Reserve's battle to combat inflation will dominate the conversation this week, with the Fed holding a two-day meeting to set policy. Some think that the overnight Fed funds rate will be at 4.5% to 4.75% by February of 2023, before inflation is expected to cool rapidly. Inflation does remain quite high. Retail sales are moderating, but unemployment is at historic lows. The Federal Reserve is stuck navigating these cross-currents as it attempts to squeeze demand while avoiding recession. Indeed, policymakers are poised for another aggressive hike, and where the tightening will end is anyone's guess. However, consumers' expectations of future inflation have eased which helps to mitigate the concern they would pull forward future purchases, thus adding more upward price pressures. Consumer sentiment improved in September, according to the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. Most notably, the median expected inflation rate declined to 4.6%, the lowest reading in the year. The Fed pays close attention to this number because inflationary expectations are a critical input into inflation. And inflation uncertainty is the highest it has been since 1982, however, which is a concern. 
Even so, retail sales are roughly 8% above their pre-pandemic levels as of August, and many inventories are still not fully restocked. While consumer spending is moderating, it is not enough to eliminate price pressures broadly across the economy. This week's highlights include a laundry list of central bank decisions, including ours, Sweden's Riksbank, the BOE, SNB, Norges Bank, and the Bank of Japan, where more rate hikes are expected. The FOMC decision is on Wednesday, where odds favor a 75 basis point hike, with updated SEPs also released, followed by a Chair Powell's press conference. Economic data this week includes housing-related data, with the August housing starts and building permits, as well as the August existing home sales, leading indicators, and the likely highlight coming on Friday when S&P Global Flash PMIs are released. Besides Treasury bills, the Treasury will auction $12 million of reopened 20-year bonds and $15 billion of 10-year tips tomorrow and Thursday, respectively. In regard to MBS, besides today's Class C 48 hours, Class D 48 hours is on Friday. Today's calendar is light, with the only data point being the NAHB Housing Market Index for September due out later this morning, with expectations looking for further deterioration to the lowest since the beginning of the pandemic. We begin the week with agency MBS prices worth a quarter and the 10 yielding 3.50 after closing last week at 3.45%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Somebody just threw a jar of mayonnaise at me. I was like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Thanks again to Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.